This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. On a mission to explore the far reaches of cinema, three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Synonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. Later in this episode, we're going to wrap up our month-long exploration of John Cassavetti's The Killing of a Chinese Bookie with Catcher's pick. Uh, the Old Man and the pew, Gun pew, pew. from 2018. <laughs> Robert Redford's Swang Song from Acting, directed by David Lowry. Um, mm. Very excited to get to that, but we should let the, the, the fans know that Boom and I are a little beat up right now. We're, mm. we're, our bodies are rejecting whatever our, we've been going through for the last couple weeks. Our bodies are rejecting our souls right should now. Should we be That's watching a Cronenberg movie instead, maybe? absolutely not (laughs) or i guess that would wake us up i don't know (laughs) but boom and i have promised to to uh to strive through our our struggles to make sure we give our fellow fans and and synonauts and listeners the best episode possible and that's what we're gonna do isn't that right we got this absolutely we We shall persevere because that's what we do my these guys (laughs) they're my heroes these guys (laughs) You're my hero. Before we Thanks. get to what we watched this week and did this week, the biggest news of the week is obviously oh no. the drop of Boom's second podcast, <laughs> the new newest podcast of the Tape Deck family, Film Hags, or as they say it, say it Film Hags. Film Hags. Uh, <laughs> Those Film Hags. 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 Get, I'm trying to get, get that A correct. Get yourself a nice cold bag of milk, eh? And <laughs> put your headphones on and listen to film hags. Exactly. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding dropped this week, yes. first episode, to mm-hmm. thunderous applause. I, I, all of social media was talking about it. It was crazy. Oh, couldn't yeah. get away from it. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get away from it. Uh, how does it feel, Boom? It's been great. Like, it's just been really exciting. And obviously so nice for people to be receptive and also just like tolerate me in more in more than one space uh just like talking in their ears constantly so thank you everybody um also we did our first recording obviously because the episode just dropped and you both send us such beautiful letters we were all like hagging up just trying to <laughs> not to tear up but yeah we're so excited yeah, I'm excited too. And I just love you guys so much. And you've been so supportive. And I'm just so happy to have all these fun spaces to chill and talk about movies with people. So, yeah. And you and all the hags deserve all the love and success headed your way. Thank you. Just remember us. Just remember us. If, <laughs> just remember us. Yeah. I will rescind that, though, if I'm not on uh, a future 10 Things I Hate About You episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe Sophie promised me that spot as, and I promised I pro- it to myself in my email. I so. also promised that to you. It's going to happen. Good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll promise to listen. 
and and your next episode huge for me and boom yes huge uh what is it for those for those who aren't aware um our next episode is gonna be jonathan larson's rent directed by chris columbus the film version of the Mm -hmm. beloved stage play um Mm -hmm. and mel has never seen the movie so this is a big deal Oh. And I'm nervous because we've got Sophie on the panel. Um, so anything could happen. But I've like Sophie's the wild card. I, <laughs> she's the wild card, but I'm like opening myself up to discourse. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's have a healthy conversation and dive deep into Ian's theory about whether or not Benny <laughs> is the villain or the hero. So <laughs> Just know that whatever they say, I'm I'm here for you, boom. Thank you. you always, I will support you no matter what <laughs> hateful uh uh discourse comes out on the other end of the hags. We will I'm we here will get you. through this. Is is there a word for like rent like are there rent rent heads? Like or what? I think this yeah. I think they say rent heads. Is it right? actually rent, rent heads? heads, exactly. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I guess I'll have to Thank watch you. that this week for the first time. Oh, I'm so excited for you to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Check out Film Hags. Episodes come out Tuesdays. First episode's out. By the time you hear this, uh, the second episode will be coming out the next Tuesday. So, my big fat Greek wedding, Rent, and all the other movies that they're going to be talking about on season one. Uh, Mm -hmm. But let's catch up. Catcher, what did you watch this week? I watched Contact. Mm-hmm. Guys that sit over at oh, 70 yes. millimeter were watching it, and it's is like a f- classic of mine. So I rewatch it. It holds up. It's amazing. Uh, so yeah, so I watched Nightcrawler. It uh, mm-hmm. it was one of the films that had come up sort of in our discussions about uh, killing of a Chinese bookie, and I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm just in the mood to watch this movie, and it's the best. It's so good. Yeah, it's, great. it's so unbelievably good. We definitely could have like. Old Man and the Gun definitely could have been Nightcrawler and it would have been just as good. Like the energy in that movie is mm-hmm. off the charts. Mm-hmm. Early Riz Ahmed yeah. as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh and yes. like in such a great, like his performance in that is so good. Yeah, what else did I watch? I watched uh, that Amazon documentary about Jay Belvin. Who's that? Oh, the musician? I didn't even know that came out. The musician? I didn't know that came out. Yeah. Mm. The Boy from Medellin. And it's just about him and like he's gonna sh- he's gonna have his first solo stadium show in Medellin mm. for the first time, and it's just like the leading up to and all the stuff that's happening around him. Mm. It's kind of cool. I like only know him for barely, so I was like, it might be kind of interesting to just get, figure out who he was from like a not being an old man perspective, mm-hmm. and that definitely assisted mm. in that category. Mm-hmm. So that was good. And then I got a a good one for you guys. It's a British show. Mm-hmm. Okay, just wait for the title of this. Son, Sex, and Suspicious Parents. Oh, my. This is a reality TV wow. show that came out, like, in that must have been, like, the I, I did not expect reality TV show coming out of that next set as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, every, it's wow. everything bad. It, so, basically, it's in the, like, early 2000s, I guess. And what they did is... Kids sign up for like a reality show where they're gonna get to go and like party at some resort town in Europe somewhere. They're all English, you mm-hmm. know, so they go to Greece or 
wherever they else party places they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of mm. like a, we're going to follow you around mm-hmm. and, and, and capture what happened. But what it really is is a trick. And they bring their parents along and they show the parents everything that they're doing <laughs> while like being young, drunk, <gasps> and crazy in Greece. Oh, no. So every day the parents get together because there's two families. There's like two kids that go on, on each show. So the parents come together and they watch like footage of from that day and all the crazy d- dumb shit that they do. <laughs> <Just cry. laughs> yeah, exactly. And question what, where they went wrong and what happened. It's, it's, cr- it's crazy. <laughs> and just to see everybody. Yeah. Parties. Just to see the part, like the levels, like the parties that are going on in these places is crazy. Mm. Ha- most of the girls on the show end up doing this shot where they shake it in the, in their, like the bartender's, have the cup, you know, like the like a, a drink shaker, oh. in their pants, yes. mm-hmm. and they shake it, and then they pour it into <laughs> oh their mouths, gosh. like on the bar. Oh my! And so their parents are watching them do this, Jesus. and it's just like it's it's crazy. It's like how is this allowed on TV even? And why would you do this? Never ruin your child and yours relationship by secretly videotaping their vacations. You crazy people! <laughs> what were you gonna say, Boom? That reminds me of when I was 18 and went on like a mini Euro trip to uh, Barcelona was like one of the first Mm -hmm. stops. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm like legal to drink here. And my friends took like we went to this bar um, called the shop bar. Like Mm -hmm. that's just what it's called. And all the shots were called two dollars. And they had been there a few days before me. And they're like, "Okay, we're going to buy you this one shot. And it was called. The condom shot. And what they do is they take a straw and then they what if they take a straw and like kind of like light it on fire, kind of, and then it like melts the plastic, and then you like spit liquor into it, and then they bend you like backwards over the bar and dangle it in your face. And you have to like break it with your amazing. See this these this is yeah. exactly like that kind of place. <laughs> this is, but it's just a strip of bars exactly like that. It's crazy. Yeah. The only difference is if my mom saw me doing that, she'd be like, "Yes, queen." <laughs> uh, welcome to Boogie Nights Part Two. That's right. Yeah. Cinemats. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you for. When, when did that show come out, Catcher? It was like in the early 2000s, I mm. guess. Nice. It's just like you can find it on YouTube nice. if you look. It's kind of like a Jersey Shore-ish era of like reality TV then maybe, right? Yeah, but it's like they're just real yeah. kids. They're like just 18. It's the first time they're away from their parents. That they're is always, wild. Yeah, it's just like nerds being like, <laughs> I'm going to get laid. And then they don't, they don't get laid. <laughs> they just get drunk and fall asleep at the bar and stuff. Wow. All right. Yeah, it's hilarious. Very good. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Catcher? Do you want to hear a shutter? Give us a give us a quick give us a quick shutter yeah. update. It's called hosts. Hosts. Film called hosts. Yeah. So not not host. Not the not host. host. Not the great amazing Bong Shoot Ho film host. Or the Zoom. Yeah, I was thinking host. about the Zoom one. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. No, not that one. It's a much shittier, shittier, shittier one. And mm-hmm. I would describe the plot so you wouldn't have to watch it, but I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> The plot of the movie—it's <laughs> a uh, space Perfect. invaders come maybe and take over the bodies of a couple and then murder, but just bad murder. Mm-hmm. Um, don't watch it. That's the okay. shutter. Thank you. Thank you. 
Okay, so I watched a lot of stuff this week, but I watched this film called Bell. Mm, mm-hmm. It came out in like 2013. It's on Disney+. Plus. I did like a little info bit on it on Instagram because it's based on a true story. Um, it's about this mixed race daughter of a British general and her mother was a slave. And then the daughter is like taken and raised in high society by William Murray, who is like, um, a judge, actually, like one of like the highest status lawmakers, like at that time, it was like 1781. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it just highlights her life and struggles with like her rank and um, racial identity. It also kind of plays out like an episode of Downton Abbey yes. with just with like some identity poli- politics and like social justice mm-hmm. thrown in because like Belle actually um, contributed to. The pos- like a positive ruling over the Zong massacre, which was like when six slaves were thrown off a trade mm. ship so the earner- owners could make like an insurance claim. Mm. So it's like just like a really lit episode of Downton Abbey, <laughs> I would say. Um, <laughs> was, were we doing the podcast when I was watching Downton Abbey? I don't think um, so. I'm Maybe. not too I sure. So. I feel like we would have talked about it because right before we started doing the podcast, I, I did a, a Downton Abbey watch Love through. Downton Abbey. May need to discuss that later. Yeah. Go on. Papa. Papa. Mama. Yeah. Mama. Like, where's Cousin Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> Come get him, and- Sophie, on that. I dare yeah. you. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Somebody like suggested it as an alternative viewing to like the Underground Railroad as like a way to kind of see black stories that highlight the past, Mm -hmm. but like aren't fueled mostly by like brutality and trauma. Mm -hmm. So it's a good watch. I suggest like anybody who has Disney Plus to check it out. Um, If you like Downton Abbey and abolishing slavery. Mm. So there you go. (laughs) Talk about a one, two punch. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Anything else you want to chat about? No, that's pretty much it. I'll, I'm still waiting for Catcher to catch up. That's right. I'm on sorry. the Underground Railroad, so we can like. I just want to say. I get, just want to savor it. it. You know. I mean, not that it's like save like the materials necessarily super savorable, but it's like he's the best, and yeah. I just it's mm. all I'm gonna get from him for a while, and I just wanna I just wanna mm-hmm. feel that each like just like a chocolate bar, like one piece at a time. Don't rush it. So it's fair. Yeah, totally. I felt I did the opposite because I was like, if I don't just do this, then I'm just never going to do it because it's a lot. But also don't be discouraged by what I've been saying, because most of what I've been like in my feelings about is separate from how I felt about the show itself. Mm. Like I didn't actually actually hate the show. Um, I don't think it's like amazing by any means, Mm but um. There's just like two different yeah, things going no, on cool. there for me, but we'll get into we it. We'll, we'll get have our into time it. In <laughs> <laughs> nice. Would you watch Ian? Taryn and yeah. I, we caught up on a little show called Mayor of East Town. Oh. Yes. Uh, the HBO true crime phenomenon <laughs> starring a oh my God. Kate Winslet. It is very good. I'm not sure it's good enough for me to lift my uh, true crime ban moving forward, but it is good. Okay. It's very good. I think if it is that good, the best thing you can do is like avoid any more of mm. the same. I, stuff. I'm gonna hold yeah. most of my thoughts though, because uh next week Boom and I 
and maybe catcher yes. if he catches up tbd tbd uh and maybe some other tape deck hosts we're actually going to do a quick little uh special mayor of east town episode that i think we're going to test yes. out like in tape deck where like if a bunch of the hosts watch like a new movie or a show uh, and everyone just wants to give quick thoughts on it. We'll just tape an episode together and then release it on whatever feeds. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, that's so cool. Yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. And I think this this is gonna be our first one for Mayor of Easttown. Uh, and it, oh, it, yeah. it should be good. It's gonna be right after the uh, finale. And then, yeah, so ho hopefully we yes. can uh, get some good conversation there. Yes. Are you gonna try and watch it, Catch? I'm, I'm gonna try. Uh, I mean, no rush. It's a lot to take in at once. Yeah, I mean, I'm... The sun is out now, and we only get two sure. months of this. So I've I been spending that. a lot yeah. of, yes. like, the last few weekends, like, outside. Um, mm. But I definitely want to jump in the chat. So, and I'm excited to see all the sandwich munching. I told you, I'm very <laughs> intrigued by this. So I'm, I'm like, 100% committed oh, yeah. to watching it. So uh, maybe I'll tr trick Emma into watching it with me. Nice. Yeah, do it. Yeah. We'll all order hoagies for the recording and Ooh, hang out. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> Other than that... I've just been watching a lot of um, NBA playoffs. Oh, pretty, pretty nice. wild so I'm far. I'm sorry, man. I most, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it was a long shot anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, my like main thing now that the Warriors are out is I really hope we get like a young. I hope, I hope the finals and the semifinals are teams led by young dudes. Mm. I want like Luca, you know, Devin Booker, yeah. Trey Young, Jaw. I want all those guys going far. I don't care. I don't need the Nets or the Lakers. A, that would be the most boring finals of all time. Yeah. Uh, I don't need them out. You know, easy, also easy for me to say, like, now that my old guy is, like, out. But Right, right yeah. This is, but he also mm -hmm. has a team of young guys, which would have been That's cool. true. That's also true. But, like, I think Giannis, I don't really care for him to succeed anymore. I think he's past that point. Um, I want young guys coming in, taking, the, taking hold of it, you know, changing of the guard type thing. Yeah, my friend made a pretty astute uh, realization this weekend in that... If you look at the teams that are doing well right now in the playoffs, or sorry, the teams that are not doing particularly well that you sort of expect to do well right now are all the teams that made it late into the playoffs last year. And with such a short changeover, you're getting all of these teams that weren't competing last year who had all this extra time to like get together and they're not as tired. Yep. And now they're sort of moving their way up. And like you said, yep. I think it just makes for much better more exciting basketball is like teams you're not seeing in the mix are in the mix. That's cool. Totally. But NBA playoffs is so stupid. It goes to like July, which is way too long for playoffs, but that uh, is neither here nor there. Anyway, that's, that's most of my, uh, my viewing has been looking forward to chat mayor with boom, maybe catcher some other tape deck folks uh, next week. Mayor of I'm Hogtown. so excited. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Pog Pog <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> I'm not wow. from I'm not uh, from Philadelphia. Sorry. No. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get into our main discussion this week. Once again, this is our uh, final film we're going to chat about in our exploration of the killing of a Chinese bookie. Um, Catcher is ending the month with uh, a little film called The Old Man and the Gun. Came out in 2018. It was directed by David Lowry, starring uh, Robert Redford. And uh, the basic plot is it's actually based on a true story, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, it's about a guy named Forrest Tucker who's played by Robert Redford. He is like this famous escape artist uh, who has escaped from many prisons many times. And it's basically like about his last big uh, 
like bank heist and sort of his life around that. But we'll let Catcher take it away from here. So where are you taking us? All right, everyone, you know what to do. Get in those time machines. All right, we're going to go back to January 27th, 2003, when David Grahn's article titled The Old Man and the Gun is published in that month's issue of The New Yorker. The article based around, mm-hmm. or sorry, anchored around several days of interviews with career criminal and self-proclaimed escape artist Horace Tucker explores his wild life as a bank robber, occasional con man, and most importantly, his 18 escapes from prison. After reading the article, Robert Redford uh, was totally enamored by it and really hoped to one day make it into a film. Uh, sort of jumping forward a few years, he ends up reaching out to directed David Lowry, with whom he had worked on uh, Pete's Dragon, like the remake of Pete's Dragon, uh, to write the film. Um, so Lowry's first few drafts were heavily inspired by sort of action-heavy, true crime, cops and robbers, bank heist films, something akin to uh, a Michael Mann-made film, you know, but a few <laughs> things uh, become clear to him after failing to find the right tone. And the first thing he realizes is that no matter what he did, Robert Redford was Robert Redford, and he needed to create a character <laughs> that could sort of really leverage his charm and his skills as an actor and really uh, take an opportunity to sort of embrace his iconic history. Um, and the second was that he himself was not Michael Mann, so he could not make a Michael Mann <laughs> movie. So he, he needed to find his sort of his own way into the story and figure out how to tackle it. And the solution that solved sort of both of those problems was Lowry's realization that he needed to avoid trying to recreate all the drama and high energy of films like, you know, Heat or Miami Vice or uh, what was that, Public Enemy, I guess? You know, all those kinds mm-hmm. of And instead, tell the story in a way that Forrest Tucker himself would have told it. Because if you read the article, sort of the flow and the energy of the article is quite interesting. And he's sort of not as different from the character that you meet in the film in that he's really charming. He has this really interesting energy and uh, you wanted to sort of capture that essence of who this character was. Um, And he really wanted to tell a story from the point of view in the way that he himself would see himself, like he would aggrandize himself in this way. And so he really wanted to tell a story that Forrest Tucker would have told not a violent criminal constantly evading prison while sticking up banks with a gun in the air but instead a smart, considered, slightly devious, and unquestionably charming man who couldn't live a life trapped by normalcy. Normally I would have sort of like a deep question to ask to sort of like get things going, but really what I really want to know is we have watched two um, sort of high-energy films, and, we, and I talked last week about the idea of sort mm. of introducing something a little bit slower, um, mm-hmm. and I want to know sort of like, how was that mood shift and did that sort of like affect any of your viewings of the film? I found this film to be just like, I don't know. I just felt like I was kind of floating through it. Mm -hmm. And even though like it's kind of slow, there is like this odd, like special energy to it where you like do feel amped, but I don't know, like still pretty chill. Um, Although I think to its detriment, just the same, like nothing was really um, hitting 
So I do think like it kind of aired on the side of like forgettable. Like I feel like six, like a few years down the road, I'll just like completely forget that I've ever seen this, Ooh. even though I <laughs> <laughs> enjoyed <Amazing>. myself. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I liked it. Um, there's something about it. And I think David Lowry, like as a director, he like, it could be like his style where I think he's very good at filming movies in like an expected way. And that sounds like it's a slight, but it's, I, I don't think it yeah. is like, like mm -hmm. if you watch a ghost story, um, this and like Pete's dragon, those are only three films I've seen of his. When you watch them, it's like you're watching a movie that when you're told a, like the story movie, you're viewing something that makes sense. And so, like, what I mean by that is, like, for the old man of the gun, every shot and, like, the coloring and how they use, like, they shot it on film, mm. everything looks like it should be shot that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's, like, really interesting. And it, it, it adds to the overall, like, feel of the movie in a way that I think yeah. Chinese Bookie and Uncut Gems and Boogie Nights all have that similar feeling where, like, Uncut Gems is shot crazy manic and the movie's really manic mm. you know and and old man of the gun has this like vintagey like austeric look to yeah. it and it like matches it perfectly mm. um and he's also going to be the director of the green knight which i'm particularly like, yes. all of us are excited for so i'm I'm curious as to how really he's yeah he's a yeah, he's directing the green yeah. Knight. So, okay um, i was already so excited for that movie and now i'm like 12 times yeah. more excited yeah. <laughs> when I found that out, it made me excited. Like, aside from everything I just said, I think, like, his style is perfectly suited to the story that he was telling. Yep. And so I'm excited to see. I haven't seen any of his other films, but I'm excited to see how um, that works for him with, like, a kind of fantastical, mm -hmm. high stakes kind of thing with Dev oh, Patel. Yeah. God damn. I know. But yeah. Watching this movie, so this is Robert Redford's like last film. This was like his swan song. So I think it also adds to the story Aww. of the movie really well. Not because he died, because he retired. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, <laughs> as they made the movie, like it's about a guy's last hurrah. heist yeah. and like his end, his, you know, his last yeah. hurrah. And it works really well for Robert Redford. And I was watching it, as I was watching it, I wish I had seen like more of Robert Redford's movies. Yeah. Because he is so damn charming, yes. like as um, seriously, like so so charming as uh, yeah, Forrest Tucker. And so like I was looking at his IMDb page, and like I've seen all the President's Men, Butch Cassidy and the Sun Sundance Kid, and The Natural. That's it. And he is like obviously one of the most famous actors ever. And it, it made me wish I had seen more of his stuff because I feel like if I knew more of his filmography, I would appreciate the movie like a lot, a lot more. Mm. Did, did either of you feel that way? Uh, yeah, I definitely felt that way um, and agreed with you. But once I kind of learned that it was his last film, I think like that novelty was still like impactful. Mm -hmm. Totally. What's cool about it is it wasn't, he didn't make it intending it to be his last film, but it was like going into production. And I think him like recognizing the, what he was making he was just like, you know what, like, this is my mm -hmm. last film. And like, what a great way to send off your film career in a role in exactly like you said, which is like about a character who is infinitely charming, doing his like one last hurrah. 
at the thing that he loves the most. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, that's storybook. Why wouldn't you do that? And yeah, I've like literally everything you said is just incredibly true. Like he's like everything about his performance is so good. And Sissy Spacek as well. Like them together is just like I could watch oh them God. eating or sitting at a diner for like 12 hours and just chatting. Yeah. That chemistry. Yeah. My goodness. Yes. <laughs> I also just like love watching old people courting. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something we get to see enough of. And I just, I, it just made me happy. Like it put a smile on my face. Right. Cause I think we spend so much time being like, Oh, cute old person. It's like, no, they're like a person who's lived a whole life. And also like my <laughs> want to bang sissy space. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. what to say. Why but, not like, though? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Like, It's just like we just view like elderly people in such a specific way. So it was just like nice to see them being like cute and kind of sexy and like, you know, vibing with it. Although I kind of felt that um, Forrest character was like giving me slight fuckboy vibes. (laughs) Oh, I mean, he definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like he seemed like he was genuinely into her, but he was kind of like jerking her around a little bit. And I was like, okay, even in... Even in old age, men ain't shit. But <laughs> well, I mean, like it was still he, adorable. In real life, that guy had like three wives, and wives. none of them ever knew he was a like a bank robber until the cops like mm-hmm. showed up each time. And it was like, of course, yeah. like he was a, like the real character was a bit of a scumbag, um, and definitely less poised and proper than his character is in this movie. But I just think the character that is portrayed is just, it's perfect. He's perfect. Like, and the film, yeah. And the film really does a wonderful job of gets you where you need to be. And you always understand Mm -hmm. his like emotional state where he's going, like not to rush too far ahead, but like the ending, once he gets out, like he gets caught. And then he gets out and he Mm. meets up with uh, Sissy Spacek is there to meet him. And you get this vibe like, oh, that's so cute. Like, this is it. He's going to settle down. And that's exactly where his head's at. It's like, okay, you know what? She's really nice. I trust her. I'm getting old. I'm getting too old for this. It's time to settle down. And the second he gets home, it's like, it's it's all been a mistake. Uh, This decision was the wrong thing for him. Like, he can never be caged. And just the shot selection and the tone, like no one's talking, but you get everything from the way he sits and Mm -hmm. the mood in the room. Like there's a shot where he's sitting on the bed looking out the window and it's like multi-paned window. So it looks sort of like jail bars, you know, and he's just sitting looking out (laughs) and it's just like, oh my God, he's just, he's trapped and she's such a nice lady. But it's like, this is a myth, this is a horse you can't tame, like, and his realization yeah. of that is so incredible to watch. We've been spending a lot of time watching like anti-heroes, right? I mean, with mm. um, all, all of our, the films we've discussed have basically been about anti-heroes. Um, maybe Dirk Dickler becomes an anti-hero at one point, but they're all kind of there. Where do you think Forrest Tucker falls in the anti-hero realm like do you consider him an anti-hero i know boom was hinting like he's kind of a fuck boy all this sort of stuff but <laughs> uh you know what do you yeah think? i think 100 percent. like he is the protagonist of the film but yeah in the reality of the situation like he's being chased by the police because he's a bank robber you know like right. he's mm-hmm. he is a criminal and so 
why I sort of like this movie was because all of the characters in one way or another in all the films we've watched have all sort of existed by like a certain code, an internal code that sort of guides them mm-hmm. through life, you know? And in this movie, his code is like, I'm never going to be trapped and I'm never going to be held down. And I'm never like, I'm always going to be free and I'm always going to be the kind of person that I want. And that is sort of like is a trait with all of these characters of like, they have big dreams and they're going to do whatever it takes to get that thing that they want, you know, and, uh, and, and, and die or get, go to jail yeah. or, or, or face the time, the consequences for their actions. Um, but what I kind of like about this is you sort of get the resolution mm-hmm. like that you get in Boogie Nights, but then you also get the sort of a ec- little bit extra, which is, yeah, people actually don't change that much. And people like that are never going to change, you know, <laughs> yeah. what you get in Uncut Gems, like you get that vibe of like, he was never going to not stop doing this. And and I, mm-hmm. I sort of like yeah. that approach of, yeah, some people are like in this kind of line of work because that's who they are. And that's and, and they don't need to. Pre- sometimes they just don't need to pretend that it's anything else but that. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like you see this like one aspect of his story being told like in the, in a linear fashion where he's kind of like with the over the hill gang, he's met Sissy Hilarious Spacek name, by the way, over the perfect. hill gang. Oh, I, when, so when they good. finally said that, I was like, that's like pretty hilarious, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. But yeah, so it's like, yeah. So it's like, you're watching this part, like this slice of life, like this thing that's happening right now. And, and the way he's operating, But then through like the detective, you're kind of getting his backstory and then you're slowly realizing that like this is a cycle and like he's been doing this. Like I know he kind of discloses that here and there on his own, but um, I thought it was an interesting way to kind of push the narrative and gives you like, so you're watching... um, kind of things unfold in real time and you're kind of on board with him. He's charming. You're there. You're like wrapped up in the charm. Um, and then you kind of are finding out about these other things and you're like, okay, maybe not so much, you know, well, it's like, do, I think that's it's like having the, a flashback without doing an actual flashback where you're getting the, you're yeah. getting what a flashback would normally give you in terms of context to who this guy is, like you were saying, but yeah. you're do, it, it gets mixed in with the sort of like, a uh, cat and mouse game of yeah. just like cops and robbers, good get, like cop trying to yeah. catch the thief, um, <laughs> but a very like unconventional cat and mouse narrative, I'd say. And also, yeah. And then it's just instead of flashbacks, it's just like all the things that like the pieces that have been left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, like the like Elizabeth Moss's character mm-hmm. and like her son, and and just like the people that he's like speaking to. Right. So it's like. Yeah, he's going on and living his life, but there's like this whole mess he's left behind him that he's he's not even considering. Yeah. Yeah. The way they sort of piece together the whole backstory, I think, is really interesting because like a lot of movies with and then this goes back to what I was saying about like how David Lowry is really good at just setting the tone of the film to make sense. Mm. Like even though him like, you know, abandoning family and robbing all these people are all obviously like awful things that for someone to do. The movie is clearly written 
to like set up. I mean, there's a whole montage of just people saying how charming Forrest I is. I love that montage. So great. Yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting how that is also just like played in even like the darker moments, like the end montage yeah. of him escaping all the things and him, uh, you know, it, it's all like playful almost. And even like, there's something about it that I think really works. Um, whether or not mm -hmm. the actual force Tucker deserves that sort of treatment on, on film is maybe one thing, but it also all comes back to that, how like it is like this really like touching love letter to, you know, arguably one of not just American cinema, but like film cinemas, you know, his like greatest actors, right. Or most famous actors. Um, mm -hmm. it, it just, I don't know. There's just something about it. I think it, it, it has a nice charm, even though you really shouldn't be rooting for him, <laughs> you know? I mean, I know <laughs> like even at the end with Sissy Spacek, like, you know, it's basically implied she waits however many years while he's in jail for him. And then he goes out and like watches a movie with her and gets bored and like goes and robs someone again and gets arrested again. <laughs> right? Lane Blacktop, I think, right? Is the movie. Yeah. Right, right. But you're still like rooting yeah. for him. And, you know, I mean, it's, you're not like, oh, he's such an, I mean, you kind of are, I guess. But the whole time you're like, I guess that was always how his story was going to end. Yeah. Right? Like so I don't know. It's yeah. And I it's like, just, yeah. I like the, their approach and I don't know if it was in the script or if it was like an acting choice by Sissy Spacek, but the way she plays her sort of like last goodbye with him, it's like, there's something honest about their relationship in that, that he didn't maybe tell the truth, but they, she always sort of knew what was going on and like, she knows he's leaving and there's something like interesting about that. And like, she doesn't break down. She's just, okay. Well, he's going to go now. And like, and that was a thing I had <laughs> in a moment and it sucks, but okay. And I, I find like that was such an interesting, like decision only an old person could make. I think like having experienced so much life, you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like, that's kind of touching to me. He even yeah, talked about, sense. he wanted at one point, one of the scripts was really focused on sort of their relationship in a more intense mm -hmm. way. And he just mentioned, like, I don't have that experience. Like, and there, so many of the, t the decisions he had made initially during all the different script rewrites was just, like, he was trying to talk about something he didn't know. Uh, mm. And I just found that to be kind of interesting. That's why I wonder if that was a decision on her part and that, like, she's bringing her own life into it. I don't know how that process worked for them. But it just, everything just felt so... Um, of the story, like real, again, not like necessarily realistic because I think you're right, Ian, it has a sort of like magical, fantastical mm -hmm. quality to the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. a little bit like uh, Atlanta in that way, where it's like, if there's just mm -hmm. a touch mm -hmm. of non-reality to what's happening, um, but the whole world itself mm -hmm. feels real in the story. It's consistent. Yeah. Like it, it creates a world that just works. A hundred percent. Like, so even when he's like riding off on a horse, but like, <laughs> a hundred cop cars are coming and you're still, you're, you're still buying it. And you're like, yes, like, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's like literally <laughs> him riding off into the sunset, yeah, right? Yeah, like they, it's yeah. like, yeah. they take this term, uh, you know, uh, overused phrase even, right? Like he's riding off the sunset and they just do well, it. He's the sun. He's the Sundance yeah. kid. Like he would have right, like, exactly. that's his whole, like, you know what I mean? So like to give him that, um, and even mentioned, like, in an interview I was reading, he was just like, you know, we kind of knew it was an iconic thing. We were adding, like, an iconic image to the history of Robert Redford. And I was like, this is mm -hmm. awesome. And then going back yeah. to what you asked earlier, you're in, like, now I just want to watch more, like, yeah. uh, Robert Redford stuff. movies. Like, he, I just, yeah. 
I missed. I have a hole in my. I life think thing. it was like. I think it was such a risk to kind of like let the like Forrest Tucker and Robert Redford get so entangled, but it really pays off mm-hmm. in in such a strange way. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are current actors today? you think would like deserve some sort of like send off film like this. I was thinking Mm. about it. I was watching and I was thinking like Leo is probably the Mm -hmm. only one right now. Right. Who I think would like could do Denzel. Denzel. I think they, I think, yeah, those two could like do it and get away with it without having it come off as like stupid. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because this movie would not work. I think like, it could come off as like very pretentious and very like, do they really deserve like a swan song film? Like probably not. But yeah. I think, yeah, Denzel and, and Leo are probably like the, the two like people and then maybe Meryl, right. For, for women, Meryl and. Oh, Meryl uh, for sure. I, I think that's kind of, you know, I, but I, to me, it's like, at least from my understanding of like his decision on quitting acting, like I would love to have send off films like that. But I think the thing that like pushed him, to leave was like that this itself was so an iconic way to do it not so much like i'm gonna quit let's make a movie about my life it's like no this is a movie that because of what the style of film we were making it was like it incorporated Mm -hmm. so much of his own life as like an iconic film like star and so like what better way to bow out you know not so much like so but yeah who would i want but yeah denzel washington actually is the perfect answer i think he's just like given so much so many iconic roles and he's just like so um present like in film and just like everything that has to do with hollywood and mm-hmm. and stuff so yeah i mean for, for um, people who don't know he like is he founded like the sundance film festival and is the you know was the president of it up until a couple of, like maybe last year or two years ago so he's very involved like in the film industry and does a lot of stuff around that, even though like he hasn't been acting and, you know, even before this, it's not like he was acting in a ton of stuff. Um, But he was like very involved in the film industry, which is obviously great. My like biggest association with Robert Redford is Watchmen. And I like never fully understood (laughs) like what that tie in was. Um, Because I just like hadn't been exposed to his stuff. Mm -hmm. But like now I'm kind of curious because I obviously love Watchmen, but um, yeah, yeah. I want to give a shout out to the music, like the scoring, which is done by Daniel Hart. I think was so good. Like, talk about like mood setting and all sort of stuff. Like, it was you know jazz music, but not sort of like elevator jazz that people like associate jazz music with. Like, it had it had like a pace to it, and it had the sort of like tension to the music that, but while still being like mm-hmm. very like classy, right? So another thing that I just think was a really smart decision. Um, because I, a lot of movies, a lot of period pieces in general, I mean, look, talking about Boogie Nights, they rely on their soundtracks and scores to be like from the era to like put you there. And I really appreciate it yeah. when movies like don't do that and, and add their own spin and score to it. And I thought, you know, it, it worked. Oh yeah. The music was great and definitely just kind of took you to where you needed to be and like perfectly fitting, especially the scenes that were like a little bit more fast paced and like the editing was like a little bit sharper and like, you know, frames were like turning over quickly. Um, you were just like right there. Um, and you're like, okay, like this is, it's on and popping. Yeah, like, like any of like mm-hmm. the bank robbery scenes, it's just like, 
This is just an old man who's not jumping over anything. He's not shooting anything. Like nothing about this is actually like exciting. But the music, like <laughs> definitely, in not a cheaty way. Like music can like sometimes be used in a cheap way to sort of like fake your emotions. But this just was like right. it found the right tone where 100%. you're just like, oh, I'm excited about this old man walking around in in a nice suit. Sorry, just quickly. Speaking of like wardrobe, oh John David Washington, his haircut in this movie is a travesty mm-hmm. and robs this man of a beautiful face in this film. I had no idea it was him. I thought he was like a 30 years older than who he was, and I didn't even catch it. Yes. Wait, what? Yes. John David Washington. John David Washington That's is right. in See? this? That's exactly right. <laughs> when? He is... Um, He's not in it for no, very long. No, but he is the, like one of the... Okay. You know, the, there's like the team of cops. There's a... One right. of those cops is a black dude with like a really tightly shaved head oh that's john david washington (laughs) oh like the one who's with him like kind of at the beginning yeah yeah oh (laughs) yeah exactly what a travesty to have him in your movie and it's like you you give him like the worst haircut ever for that man's face all that beauty wasted wow sorry all the rest of it looked good though except i no uh, it looked good like it's perfect for like he looked exactly like a schlubby cop, like at us in a small town. Like it looked incredible. I just it feels wrong to do that to John Wayne, David Washington. That's what <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, m- my note as I was watching it is, you know, 4K and I think Proto Lexus over in 70 millimeters <laughs> talked about this a bunch. 4K is like a, is, is an amazing thing for like 90 percent of things. But there are times where 4K like. It's too, too much. much. And those close-up shots of Robert Redford driving the car at the beginning where it's like really up close yes, to his face. Yeah. You could just see the makeup on him. You can see his hair dye. The grain, the grain it and the... Because it's shot in <laughs> yeah. 16 millimeter. And so they're blowing right, it right. up. And it's just like the grain in it is crazy. And I was like, who yeah. made this choice? It must be a choice. <laughs> they chose to do yeah. this. And I guess they're trying to like periodize these sort of like his... But it was weird. It did look weird. Yeah. I know. It, yeah. I know. I saw Ian's review where he like clocked the wig. I was like, <laughs> yeah. it's too much. Yeah, and, it's too and, much. And uh, what I'm assuming are dentures or uh, veneers up oh, close. Wow. It's really, really in your face. Uh, but, you know, it works. It works for him. Um, it works. The other thing I want to talk about is uh, just like the rest of the the old man cast. Uh, we talked or old oh. person cast. So we talked about Sissy Spacek a good amount. Uh, shout out Danny Glover and Tom Waits because I think yes. they were both like awesome. Uh, I, I like Tom Waits a lot. I used to like his, I mean, I enjoy his music. I used to listen to a lot more like in high school. I like him in movies mm-hmm. and him and Danny Glover. Uh, I just great, great old, uh, was it over the hill guys, right? Yeah. I, th- I think That's over right. the hill gang. I think they're a good pairing for like. Of the, or good trio, they all made sense together. It was just a lot of fun. I'm always happy to see Danny Glover. Um, and I don't know who Tom Waits is, um, but now I do. Yeah, Tom Waits is a he's like a I know him mostly as a, a musician. As a musician. Yeah, he's a musician, he does like a lot of weird, mm. like jazz. Oh, does he have that raspy yeah. voice? Yeah, yeah, super raspy voice. And he, oh, okay, yeah, like yeah. a lot of his music, he does things where like you know, he'll hit a drum with like a rope instead of like a drum stick. He does stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> Love um, it. 
but yeah, he's he's a good actor, so it was cool like seeing him pop up in that in, in this. I think it also yeah, he has a monologue in the movie of which I cannot remember what the story is, but he goes off on some tangent for a second uh, near the back half of the film that apparently is just like a Tom Wade story that he just you know said, but like as this huh. character, so bits of information for you there if you watch the movie. There you go. Yeah, nice. and uh, Danny Glover is amazing and just like so perfectly fits any role he's put in. Like he knows exactly how much to give, like how much to commit to, like what what is needed to just be whoever he needs to be. I love him. He's so underappreciated. Uh, a, a movie Danny Glover that I love that I always like think about is uh, Be Kind Rewind. Have, yes. have you seen the Dude, movie? Dude, yes. Oh my fucking it's god, my I love yeah, that with most Steph. Yeah, oh, it's so Jack good. Black. Most Steph and so Jack good. Black. Yeah, I mean, talk about a movie that's like a love letter to cinema. Yes. And like it's it's oh that movie is so so good. Everything oh, I love that movie. Maybe we should cover that. It's so good on the show one day. Yeah, maybe we I'm should. Fun, fun. That would be awesome. Find excuse to do it. Thinnest, I will know? find the thinnest excuse yeah. to watch that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll make it. We'll make it work in in the in a future episode. Dune Pod rules. Just find the sl- <laughs> just find the sliverest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Danny Glover has watched a movie, and therefore, <laughs> therefore it counts. He's been in a Criterion film before, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, Ooh, a Danny Glover retrospective. Sorry, Jason. Yeah, go check out Dune Pod. We love you. Uh, yes, absolutely. Anything else on uh, the old man and the gun? If not, there's some. There's some. I think wrap up questions I want to talk about, like in regards to. To this and and before we get to our categories no i think that's all i've got yeah so catcher thanks for putting recommending this i like remember when this came out and i honestly had never like intended to ever watch yeah. it because like mm. why it but really, why would you watch this movie i like yeah yep. exactly it's like i i don't need to watch like a movie about like an old like bank robber yeah. uh but it was great i really really <laughs> enjoyed it so thank you for, for yeah it was like that. pleasantly surprising it, it's just one of those movies surprisingly pleasant exactly uh my review on letterbox is a quiet and simple movie about a man who lives outside the rules i dare you not to smile the whole way through and that's just sort of how i felt the whole time like you're just enjoying everything that's happening um Mm -hmm. and it doesn't hurt to watch and it's short it's it's a breeze you get through it quick and you're just left feeling happy and that's nice sometimes this movie feels like having like the best cup of coffee you could possibly think of on your porch. Not that I have a porch. I live in Toronto (laughs) on a very nice, like perfectly mild day Mm. and the sun's out. That's what it feels like. Mm. So let's get to our categories. Uh, First up, let's chat our uh, criterion moment. Uh, Who wants to go first? My criterion moment is, when Forrest robs the bank while, like, the detective is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's that, like, aha moment when the detective finds out he's, like, robbed the bank, like, right under yeah. his nose. Yeah. And it's, like, the inception of, like, this cat and mouse thing, which you get pretty amped for, even though the story kind of, like, subverts that narrative, yeah. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it's less exciting than, like, you think it's going to be, but still, like, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought that scene itself as well was just like really uh, well done. So that was that was my moment. Nice. My moment is when we talked about briefly. It's that shot where uh, Forrest's final or 
like a second to last runaway where he finally gets caught, where he goes to Sissy Spacek's house and he gets the horse and it's the literal like riding off in the sunset shot where it has like the, you know, 20 cop cars coming up to pull him up. And he thinks about riding off on a horse, but he sort of like looks back and realizes like time's up. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought it was, you know, a really fitting, Absolutely. fitting moment, not only for the film, but also just for, for, for Robert Redford and his career. So, um, and just like beautifully shot. Yeah. I don't think we talked enough about how like beautifully shot this movie is. Cinematography is gorgeous. Oh, but the cinematography yes. is like incredible. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really, really yes. like beautiful, simple stuff. Like nothing, <clears throat> nothing like fancy or over the top, but just like really beautiful no. set pieces and things like that. Um, and those moments when they kind of like pan out and just like linger on like, yeah. you know, s- somebody that he happens to be passing by or like someone that catches his eye for a moment or something. I thought that was really um, interesting and just kind of lovely um, and like a nice kind of nod to his character. Also, just like really good atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, building. So, yeah. Totally. Yep, so that's mine. Yep. Catcher, what about you? Uh, I'm kind of shook because I figured everyone was going to pick this one. And then I came up with all these other ones thinking that it would be gone. And here we are still. So uh, look at that. the criteria yeah. moment of this movie, hands down, is uh, the he, so he's met Sissy Spacek. He's robbed a bank. He's met her on the road. She's broken. Her car is broken down. He pretends he knows what he's doing. They go for lunch and they sit down after he rescues her, sort of whatever. And they go to a diner and they eat. and. They're just chatting, and it gets to a point where he starts describing his style as a bank robber, Mm -hmm. and it's like when he turns the Redford charm up to like 13 and a quarter. Like, it's incredible, and he just talks about just how he would, how he cases a joint, and how he's watching, and what what has to go into it, and all this, and, and, and he just becomes the classiest uh, yeah. the classiest mm. bank robber in the history of bank robbers. Like he's just so infinitely cool. I think that's what it is. Like yeah. he is classy, but there's something about him that's just cool as well. Like, um, and he just oozes cool in that sequence. And I just like everything about what this movie was trying to do in terms of tap into that is like tapped into perfectly. Yeah. Oozing totally. cool is like a good way. Cause there are a lot of like famous old actors who are like, classy yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of like an example like um michael kane michael kane perfect perfect yeah. <laughs> yeah. perfect very classy not cool like i i like yeah. i could yeah. you know i could not see him pulling off a sort of monologue or a moment like that with sissy spacek or whoever like you know yeah. he would have had that like when he was younger i haven't seen a lot of his like earlier films but like Back in the day, he was sort of oh, like earlier, a playboy, sure. yeah, but yeah, like definitely. Ne- yeah, yeah. could not carry that energy now at all. No. Yeah, I- there's just like a very universal swag to mm-hmm. to Robert Redford. I think that's like just transcends like generations. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, so rather than our satellite picks, because these are our satellite picks for the killing of the Chinese bookie, let's. Uh, mm. Talk about how you think like it relates or to, to, to Chinese Bookie or the other movies we've discussed, um, you know, in this little exploration of it. So we'll go reverse order. Catcher, you first. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, as I sort of stated before, I think like this is another great example of sort of a man who like lives on the fringe and um, 
someone who has a set of morals and a set of codes, a certain lifestyle that he loves and embraces. And like everything is about maintaining that lifestyle. And what's nice about this is in all of the movies, the world fights back in a way like there, you always have to deal with the consequences of your actions. Um, mm-hmm. And I like right. this because like the consequence is like the police like in a weird way, like it, it, it's not anything criminal. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's just a criminal and the cops are coming to get him, you know, and the universe is just like setting that right um, in a way. And, and you don't want to like the cops, which is so interesting, um, like just like you mm-hmm. don't want, you know, all this stuff to happen to all these other characters. But it's like what he kind of deserves. But just, yeah, mm-hmm. exploring that in mm-hmm. a just different light. And I like that idea of just there is so many ways of telling this kind of story. Mm. For me, what I think was interest, what I think like I, I pulled from this and looking back at the other movies also is that like they all are just like it all displays like what addiction looks like just in varying mm-hmm. ways. It shows like addiction and like obsession with like doing what you want to do and feeling like you need that rush of like energy and like dopamine or something like that in varying degrees. And I think maybe, you know, you can relate to, uh, you know, Forrest Tucker and like, he's so charming because like, yeah, not obviously we're not robbing banks, but there are like, everyone has a little bit of that in them, right? Like they, they have, Absolutely. they have that one thing and I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, drinking or, or, sure. or th- like literally illegal things, but everyone has that one thing where, you know, like you just want to keep doing it, like whether it's good or bad and it's, it's yeah. not so hard to see, like he's not is he harming people? Yes, but is he not? He's not shooting anyone, right? They say several times, they're not even sure if he has a gun when he does these things. It's just like, he has that itch he needs to scratch. Yeah. Uh, totally. And, you know, all the movies just do it really well. So um, that, that I think, is my core <laughs> relation there. When, when Ian was saying that, I was just thinking, uh, what's your addiction? <laughs> is it money? <laughs> is it girls? <laughs> is it weed? <laughs> <laughs> Kanye, thank you. Carry Amazing. on, catcher. Um, no, I was just going to say what I kind of liked about sort of the at the near the end of the movie, they do a montage of all whatever 17 of his escapes. You know, he's describing them. Yeah. And I like yeah. the idea of like, oh, yes. you find out how young he was, his first escape. And it was just like, mm-hmm. this is a dude who mm-hmm. just did not want to be kept in and held like, you know, controlled or like yeah. imprisoned in some way, you know? And I like that you get an understanding of why they were this way. Like the other movies, I mean, I yeah. guess except Boogie Nights, like you don't really get a, the same vibe of like why they are. They just are as they are. Um, and I like the idea of sort of exploring mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I really like that scene as well. Yeah. When it started, I was like, ooh, here we go. Like I was a bit nervous. I didn't think it was going to work, but it kind of just felt like you were like cruising through a museum yeah. almost. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, really cool and yeah use that one it. scene yeah. from a, a like a robert redford's like one of his earlier films so he's like super young yeah yeah he, like, yeah. he, com- <laughs> he comes out of the forest and he's like looking and you're like oh wow that's yeah. so cool other times he's just like shrouded in darkness you don't really ever see the character's face yeah and right. it's like it works in a way that like spoilers for the second season of mandalorian but like the way that luke shows up or like leia shows up not to like rag on star wars yeah. like i love star wars but it's just like it works so much better and it's like a split second scene. Like, and you, it just makes everything feel like mm-hmm. so much more real in a way, I guess. Yeah. 
the tie-in for me to uh like killing of Chinese bookie and uncut gems and all that similar to what you were saying mm-hmm. Ian is just that he's kind of like if you think about it like uh Forrest is the ultimate gambler mm-hmm. like even though he doesn't it doesn't feel that way and like against all odds and even though he's like constantly taking risks there's like an illusion that everything is kind of under control unlike all the other people like we've studied mm-hmm. throughout this um but he doesn't like he's just better uh he just has a better handle on the game itself you know but it's still a game Mm -hmm. and so i thought that was really interesting nice so yeah so i was just curious like you know the killing of the chinese bookie and all these things that we've discussed over the last four episodes like why do you two think stories like this work across multiple genres and decades i mean we 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 have movies from like four different decades here Mm -hmm. that we talked about like is there something you can pinpoint as to why like a movie like this a movie like the killing of a chinese bookie and like all these other movies that we talked about sort of people can connect with basically no matter when it comes out what it's about that sort of thing i think that like the characters and just the nature of the story, kind of like people gambling and, you know, or dealing with some sort of addiction in one way or the other, or like striving for this like big, great goal. Um, as much as we kind of like to put these people on display and make an example of them and be like, here's the what not to do. <laughs> there is still a very human aspect to what they go through Mm -hmm. and how they operate and i think like i you can see yourself in all of these characters and it's nice to kind of like have that like make that connection but then let them go do all the crazy (laughs) shit like you and you you can just sit back and be like well thank god i'm not that bad um (laughs) (laughs) good luck um so i think yeah that's Nice. Yeah, that part of it. Nice. Catcher, any thoughts? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I just think like, um, like films are stories. Like stories have been around forever, and like we, you know, like we're always using stories. Good film, like good movies are, you know, reflections of who we are as people. Like everyone deals with those things. Everyone deals with, you know, like an obsession or an addiction or like a thing that they like need, and it, it, you want to explore that. And I think. I was talking the other day with my buddy. We were watching the Formula One race. It was in Monaco this weekend. And we were just talking about, like, it's so funny. There's always people trying to race stuff fast. Like, as soon as cars existed, <laughs> they were racing them, right? Like, it, like I want to go fast. Yeah, I want to go fast, and I want to go faster than you. And, like, there are always people doing that. And then before there were cars, there were horses. You know, before that, it was, like, running. Like, there's always, like, a certain inherent, like, competition within people. And I think, like, mm-hmm. that's the – there's so, – a lot of different humanistic qualities. And one of those is like addiction to things that are bad for you in one way or another that make you feel good. And it's like, it, you can just connect with stories like that. Cause it's super universal taps into something everyone mm-hmm. feels. Where are you in? I, I think because a lot of these movies are not so extreme, maybe uncut gems is like the most extreme of them all, but like mm-hmm. the escapism is there and like feels very yeah. real. Um, because like we've been saying, everyone is addicted to something like 
what it what it is varies for every Popeye's person. Chicken. Everyone's addicted. Right, right. Papa's chicken. <laughs> so everyone is addicted to something. And so getting to experience <laughs> other people's addictions is like, you know, uh like it's cathartic. It, it's like Yeah, it's cathartic. Yeah. yeah like yeah. you know, like war movies. You could watch a bunch, you could love war movies and war movies and watch a bunch of them. But I feel like the connection to like it's harder it's harder to make that connection or feel like you want that you like you understand what they're going through because most people have you know have never yeah. been in the military or, or done any of these things where these movies about addiction and wanting to be on top everyone has felt that way about something and it just i don't know it just it just connects really well so yeah as just a way of capping it off like of the four movies and sort of the themes that we're talking about like which of the four would you most likely suggest to somebody as a way in and the goal is to get all of them is to get them to watch the remaining three no it's just like of the movies like someone comes up to you and you're like okay there were four movies that you watched over this month period of the mm-hmm. four which is the one you would most likely like pass on to someone else and suggest <sighs> kind of varies right yeah it depends I feel like on who the person is like yeah, I think overall I would probably go Boogie Nights. Yeah, I think would be mm-hmm. the one. That being said, I would like I would have a hard time recommending Uncut Gems to basically anybody. <laughs> yeah. I would have to like prep them. Yeah, obviously, like it's a really well loved movie. It's not but like the I would, best like, feel... movie. It's just the one that you think would <laughs> sell easiest. <laughs> yeah, like I would feel very bad recommending uncut gems of people and they're like why did you like have me watch that yeah because that's that's definitely like a movie that that can like fall into like i think that and like the lighthouse right, yeah like, I love lighthouse i would i would never oh recommend that gosh. movie to like anybody yeah. you know uh so i would say i would say uh i, I think boogie nights is, is probably the one i would do yeah. okay maybe i'm a little more cruel <laughs> then because i would probably say uncut gems <laughs> um <laughs> But it's more so because it has the the reputation of being like a wild, intense, highly stressful movie, which it absolutely is, Um, which left me apprehensive to watch it at all. So I don't know if I would have watched it if it wasn't like put on like if we weren't doing it. Um, But like since watching it, I... I don't know. Like when I watched it, I just felt like really hyped that it exists. I thought it was really cool. And I've actually have recommended it to a few people since watching. Maybe it's because we talked about it on my show and I'm like pushing (laughs) an agenda to get them to listen. It's called viral marketing, like guerrilla marketing. (laughs) There's a reason why boom runs our Instagram. But like our. But just like in my group, like group of friends, I think like Uncut Gems is kind of like the one that like if they haven't seen it, I would probably like push to say you should watch this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Catcher, what what would yours be? Yeah, I kind of like I'm kind of feeling what Boom's putting down in that like. There's not I've never seen almost anything like Uncut Gems, so I kind of like that. Like, if you just want to see something that you've never seen before, then, like, you would pick Uncut Gems. But I think if it's just, like, okay, you want to see a good movie, and I, it's, like, as wide a berth as possible, like, Old Man the Gun, to me, is just unbelievably good. It's so good and so tight, mm-hmm. and, and it's not going to, like, give you a heart attack while you watch it. And 
which you know, mm-hmm. that's the intent of uncut gems. You know, that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But not mm-hmm. everyone, like some people have a heart condition. So you want to consider those people. <laughs> so you want to give them something. Always got to factor in the, the You never heart know. Always. You never know. I know. There's very, I remember one, what was I watching? Oh, it was 1917. And I like had my fit, fit on and it like literally clocked my heart rate. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this is effective filmmaking. <laughs> and I didn't I did not have it on for Uncut Gems. So, like, I'm sure it would have just exploded. It's, right, like, it's like that episode of Love Island where they like each of them do strip teases and it, they have the heart monitor attached. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That that's exactly. a part of the show. Oh, that is hilarious. Get, oh, it's oh so yeah. Good. Classic. Yeah. You have a baby on the way. Don't watch Love Island. Yeah. You'll like never, never sleep again. Never but yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so that wraps up the old man of the gun and also wraps up our month exploration of killing of the chinese boogie ton of fun i enjoyed it yeah it was a blast i had so much yeah. fun i'm already thankful to kind of like hang out with you guys every week and like unpack movies because i think it's just for me like been great because instead of just watching things and forgetting about them you can kind of like sit in them for a bit Mm -hmm. and i love now that we've gone like the further step to kind of like really dissect things Mm -hmm. and like explore it through different lenses this has been like awesome i feel super smart (laughs) catcher i don't know if you remember this but we were talking a long time ago about how you Mm -hmm. had an idea for a podcast where it would be every movie is discussed two weeks That's in a right. row. Do you remember talking I about do. that? It's like the great, it's in my mind, the greatest idea for. A, so this is still TM, TM, yes. TM to catch her. No one, no one steal this, but yeah. So TM. basically uh, the idea is you watch the movie and you get a sort of general idea of the vibe. And then the following week you watch it again. Um, there's a, it's the mm. concept of the episode is more complicated, but we'll leave it at that in terms of the idea. And I just think right. there's so much, you you can't get everything in a single viewing. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But seeing it once or two more times, is it can really start opening you up. And I think what's good about this style is it kind of gets at that angle, which is you mm-hmm. have to yeah. start really thinking like, yeah. oh, does this fit? What is this film even about? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's about this. It's about mm-hmm. this kind of person. And then it's all about juxtaposing things, which is cool. Do you know what we should all do now then? We should, um, not that watch we all Killing have time of a Chinese for this, Bookie again. But we should now go back and watch Killing mm, of a Chinese Bookie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should be able to do that. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> go back and watch it. Uh, extended cut. Yeah. There's two cuts. So. I watched the non extended cut, I think. That's the preferred version. So did, so we all we did. All right? did. Yeah. 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 That's the director's yeah. cut. Um, yeah. Nice. Maybe that's like our uh, end right, of so- year thing. Is we have a one episode where we just we've like rewatch like we just go over the movies we went and like rewatch them and be like oh this is how I feel about it now. You want to rewatch fifty two movies uh, all in a week? week? No, absolutely, I don't. I change. I take it can, all back. I take that all can back. We bloodshot eyes. I can barely watch the one movie for the week. Sicko. So <laughs> that's not good. Uh, wow. wow! Big wow! Big wow. Um, before we announce uh, what we're gonna do next week. Let's head over to a little tea with Boom, everyone's favorite segment here on Cinnanauts. Yes. Talk to us. What was what okay. was the news this week other than everyone gushing about uh, the film hags release? Oh, my goodness. Um, so actually, one of 
the coolest things that was brought to my attention on social media was Chris that commented on uh, our Boogie Nights. Oh yeah, post. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying, um, so Chris says, "I'm digging the series this month. I watched Boogie Nights last night and noticed a big nod to Killing of a Chinese Bookie." After your discussion on how the film influenced the Sadfi brothers, the man who is lighting firecrackers in the background as Dirk and company are doing their deal, the only verbal acknowledgement of that character is Rahad saying he is Chinese and his name is Cosmo. Amazing. Why? Mind I blown, can, Can't get much. I did not make that connection. So genius call, yeah. Chris. Such a cool call that I never would have caught. And I didn't come across yeah. that in like any of my research either. Like no one called that out no. in anything I read. So that's awesome. Blew my mind so much. Like we all commented. On, I think we all three of us commented on the post. Like yeah. we were both, all yeah. three of us were like, whoa, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. Because I honestly thought like, because I haven't seen that much, uh, I haven't seen any PTA films besides Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Even when I picked it, I was like, is this a long shot? And then it kind of is now checking out more than more than I could have ever thought. So that was like really exciting. Um, but yeah. And then otherwise, I today asked because obviously the old man and the gun is based on a true story. So I just asked people about films that they like that are based on a true story. Um, we got hidden figures, oh, obviously, um, the black women mathematicians who help send people to space. Big deal. Great movie, honestly. 127 Ooh. hours, um, which was obviously another very like stressful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- film experience. Lion, which I actually haven't seen. I haven't seen, seen Lion uh, either. But Dev Patel's in yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Wait, wasn't yeah. that nominated for like Oscars? It was, it was. I think that Whoa. one skipped. Yeah. I didn't Ian slacking that season. I know. That was a rough year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to need a fact check on this one. Dirk Feelgood says, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. It's full of historical truths. I guess there are. Is that? There are, have you not seen Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? It's about a time traveling phone booth. No. Okay, yeah, so it's about a time traveling phone booth. Oh. But he, they go through history. So Dirk was being a little bit cheeky. As he would say, <laughs> as Michael Caine would say, <laughs> as Michael Caine would say, right? Um, mm-hmm. My favorite movie based on a true story. It's so basic, but the Social Network, like for sure, oh. is definitely mine. Okay, for for, for sure. sure. I mean, says. super basic, but <laughs> super basic. It's I'm like literally lie. one of the greatest films like ever made yeah. by any person. I know that's what I mean, though. Everyone, yeah. everyone says it, right? I mean, it's, but it's I can't deny how good it is. So. That's, mm. that's probably that's probably mine. Justin Timberlake is so good in that movie. He's in that. Yeah, right? yeah. He's great in it. He's the guy who okay. says "Drop the the." It's I cleaner. Seen it in forever. Yes. I, I put that's like a background movie to me. Like I'll just like put that on and do like stuff around mm. the house and just like listen to the dialogue. Nice. Love that movie. That's like interstellar for me. Oh and yeah. People think it's weird, so I'm I'm with you, mm-hmm. Ian. Um, but yeah, we got two answers from my fellow hag Mel, mm-hmm. Magic Mike XXL. Not a fact, um, although Channing Tatum was a stripper for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also said Deepwater Horizon. Oh, I do not know. What that um, is. That's the one water. with uh, the, the oil rig explodes and uh, there's oh, a whole thing with, Mark, okay, okay, with Marky okay. Mark. Um, and the last I thought was a joke, <laughs> but I Googled it and it checks out. 
Um, and if you can guess who said it, I will give you good vibes and a thumbs up. Well, what's the answer? Nacho first? Libre. <laughs> that's, proto. that's pro. Is that proto? What, proto? It's gotta be proto, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's real. He, what? That's incredible. I did not know that. Yeah. It's like loosely based on a priest that became like a fighter and his name was hold on i have it here hmm. it was Frey tormenta was his wrestling name amazing i love that movie look at that yeah. the more you know thank you everyone and that was tea with boom yeah thank you yeah that was tea with boom i still need to write my jingle i'll, I'll get to that at some point once again that wraps up our month-long exploration of the killing of the chinese bookie but uh, rather than start a new, like, whatever, series uh, next week, we actually have a guest coming on. Uh, so, Boom, do you want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm so excited. So we actually have a guest from the UK named Jordan, and he is the host of this lovely film podcast called His Film, Her Movie that he hosts with his wife. Mm -hmm. um, and they do, like, a double feature each week. Uh, and it's really cool. And so he'll be coming on and he has chosen 1981 blowout mm. uh, criterion collection. John Travolta right. mystery thriller. I'm so excited. Also couple goals on that I'm, podcast idea. Yeah. Please yeah. and thank you. So <laughs> Get Emma That's a right. mic catcher. Get That's Emma right. a mic. <laughs> it's called uh, once again, his film her movie i mean some recent if you want to check out their episodes some recent episodes kick-ass females they did kill bill volume one and two uh 90s mm -hmm. movies or naughties movies as oh naughties i guess that's 2000s right yeah. naughties movies uh john tucker must die in the girl next door uh wow. they did take me to your leader planet 51 and under the skin so an awesome list of movies and they have 60 yeah. 60 episodes so definitely go Check them out. Very excited to have Jordan on the podcast next week. It's going to be fun. I've never seen Blowout. Yeah, have either of you well. two seen it? No, I've been really meaning to. No, I've never even heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love John Travolta has like a low key, incredible acting like resume, but people just like think of mm -hmm. like Grease and like his like and face off, face off, perfect 10 10 movie. Not exactly a, <laughs> not exactly uh, a true cinematic film, uh, but you know a lot of people think of those movies first. But he has like a low key, like amazing, especially like uh, his earlier work, oh filmography, God. especially his earlier stuff. So um, I'm I'm excited to dig into that. So looking forward to that. His film for a movie, check that out. I'm so excited. Very very excited. And then after that, uh, who's who's going to be picking the next round of stuff? You are. It's gonna be me. Okay, cool. It's gonna um, be me. It's gonna be me. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> okay. Had to. Had to. Just had to. I'm excited. We're gonna be across three time zones. Three very broad time zones. <laughs> That's right. Next. Three. Next week. Three very broad time zone indeed. Um. I'm excited. Very exciting. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks. Boom catcher. Thank you, everyone. I will talk to yes. you next week. Ciao, Ian. Bye, Boom. See you Bye. next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.